0: Godzilla minus one big spoiler the minus one apparently refers to multiple Godzilla's Godzilla oh yeah what's what's that well I mean that's just like what I interpreted from the ending right is that right at the end when they killed uh, Godzilla and they show the big like title card of Tina it's like Godzilla and then it's like minus 1.0 and my uh, I took that to mean that like we got one of them but Stay tuned for
1: some sequels,
0: where more oh, Godzillas, okay, more Godzillas show up. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I thought this is the same idea, but I, I assumed it was like, it was the prequel minus one prequel, which means we're zero index because then zero would be the original. But normally, the first is called one.
0: Yeah, so it should be Godzilla Zero. Godzilla. If zero. it w- if it was following that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know really anything about the original. Godzilla IP Do you? No All I've really understood about it is Vaguely that, you know, Godzilla is like a metaphor for You know, uh, nuclear weapons mm. But but that's it Is there any sort of like I'm curious if there's any sort of story to the uh, Original Godzilla Godzilla is a fictional monster Or kaiju That debuted in the uh, 1954 film directed and co-written by Ishiro Honda Of Honda Motors <laughs> Not really the character has since become an international pop culture icon appearing in various media 33 japanese films produced um, by toho corporation five american films and numerous video games novels and comic books and television shows godzilla has been dubbed the king of monsters characterization abilities that's cool if i ever have a wikipedia page i'd love for it to have like an abilities section cultural impact.
1: I'm adding an ability section to my resume immediately. (laughs) It's like a Dwight Schrute move. Special abilities.
0: Uh, Godzilla is one of the most recognizable symbols of Japanese popular culture worldwide and remains an important facet of Japanese films, embodying the kaiju subset of the tokusatsu genre. Godzilla's vaguely humanoid appearance and strained lumbering movements endeared it to Japanese audiences, who could relate to Godzilla as a sympathetic character, despite its wrathful nature. Audiences responded positively to the character because its acts of rage and self-preservation and shows where science and technology can go wrong.
1: So Godzilla is an empathetic character? The original one,
0: at least, I guess. Huh. Which makes sense to me. I mean, he's kind of like a King Kong. He's just an animal. Can't control it. Just trying to survive. I could see that.
1: They also had those series of Godzilla versus movies. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. like Because like Godzilla versus every other monster type. Right. I guess you're rooting for Godzilla in those?
0: Yes, absolutely you're rooting for Godzilla. I think in most iterations of Godzilla, he is considered a good guy to some degree. Like I know in the American remake that came out like, I don't know, six or seven or eight or, I don't know, the new one that had Brian Cranston in it. I think that was the idea there too because there was a sequel where... Another monster showed up and everybody's rooting for Godzilla in that one. I think it's the three-headed guy who's the, I think his name is King Ghidorah. He's like a dragon. He looks like a hydra. Here we go. Godzilla has been considered a filmographic metaphor for the United States as well as an allegory for nuclear weapons in general. The earlier Godzilla films, especially the original, portrayed Godzilla as a frightening nuclear-spawned monster. Godzilla represented the fears that many Japanese held about the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the possibility of
1: recurrence. So there you go. It's kind of on us. Trevor and Raul. It's our, it's our no, fault. No, I just think America. <laughs> Sorry. It was interesting yeah, th- in this movie how the very nuclear, the laser beam attacks of Godzilla were. Yeah.
0: it's uh, The effects are so cool across the board, but that in particular... Because uh, when the laser beam comes out, there's like a flash of light and it's like silent right before. Not unlike mm-hmm. the uh, explosion moment in Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like sort of a a moment of silence before total uh-huh. destruction. Yeah. He's like, I know we just like read a few paragraphs about him being sympathetic, but in this movie he's like straight up a bad guy, seemingly yeah yeah like no questions about it like he is uh, and they don't give a shit about his self-preservation in that movie like Godzilla shows up and the first thing everybody says is like we need to kill that not even like let's run away it's like we need to kill that monster from even Mm -hmm. like the
1: the first scene and that makes sense to me because when I look at that monster I also think that it's up to no good
0: yeah yeah Yeah, you would think so. What did you think of that, like, the opening, like, kind of the prologue with the
1: island? Just, like, the introduction of the characters and, like, this initial attack by Godzilla. Right. Pretty good scene. I don't know. What would (laughs) you think about it? Well, I I thought it was cool because you
0: don't know right away that this, the main character is, like, a kamikaze pilot. They, you learn later that the reason he's at, he's on that island is because... It's a uh, repair station for Kamikaze pilots. And he faked something being wrong with his plane so he didn't have to, like, suicide his plane. So he's a coward. Like, But it's, mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not established right away. And so it's an interesting little, like, unraveling of the mystery. They're like, hey, man, your plane is, like, totally fine. And the main character's like, what are you implying that I... Abandon my post or something like that furthermore i think that that sequence is interesting because when godzilla shows up and i don't know if this is related to the minus one or potential more godzillas thing he's like way smaller he's like maybe like a a half or third of the size of the godzilla that we
1: see later yeah yeah considerably smaller
0: He's also more like it looks more like that 90s version of Godzilla, you know that American movie. Maybe John Cusack is in that. I don't remember, but he's more of like a quadruped. He's like more lizardy and like zippy, whereas the the Godzilla we see later is basically a dude in a suit, or that's what it's meant to look like. So I don't know. It's just some interesting like uh, clues and like foreshadowing in that first mm-hmm. sequence, and like they never mention the size difference thing. Not once. They don't say anything about, like, maybe it's a younger one or a different one. Or does this one look
1: smaller to you? It's no one notices. Or it's just taken for granted. Maybe. Do you know that thing about alligators or crocodiles? About how they just keep getting larger with age? Have you ever come across an image of this, like, you know, 100-year-old crocodile, and it's, like, so gigantic that it can't even move anymore? You ever seen anything like that?
0: I've heard about like prehistoric reptiles in that way, and I think that applies to reptiles in general—that they just will keep, keep growing until yeah. they die. But no, I don't. I don't know of any like contemporary like gigantic crocodiles or alligators. You always see those like um, same thing with like sharks. Like here's what a modern. Uh, crocodile looks like and here's what the mega crocodile looked like two million years ago and it's like (laughs) three times the size have you seen giant crocodiles i didn't even know that was like a a thing still do crocodiles live to be 100 years
1: old today yeah really yeah look this up they're one of these animals that i guess like they don't have like a built-in like death cycle in their biology they just like keep going until they until they die And if they don't die, they just get huge.
0: What is, and what, what, so many questions. How does a crocodile then die if it doesn't? Does it just get too big that it can't, like, get food anymore? And that's what kills it?
1: I think so, yeah.
0: I'm I'm looking at some pictures here. I just typed in 100-year-old crocodile.
1: I'm going to go with alligators because maybe it's alligators.
0: They do look less immobile. However, alligators and crocodiles... They're not like an animal that I think of as being particularly mobile in the first place, you know?
1: They don't move much. They're not twitchy animals like mammals. They're like a very chill, like I'll move when I need to kind of animal. I
0: mean, this is related to Godzilla, right? Like Godzilla's arms- Sure, this is all on topic. He, his arms are like uh, T-Rex arms. They're little tiny, little tiny doodads. And that's basically what alligators have for feet. They're uh, they're barely useful an alligator's have Alligator really thrives in the water. That's what I've learned from that's all my, my, my my years spent with alligators.
1: But I mean that's all to say. I mean the reason I brought it up is that like I think the growing Godzilla thing comes from that.
0: And it's important though because you you just kind of made that assumption, right? That it's like that what we saw in the beginning must have been a younger Godzilla. Uh huh. and so the the one we see later is the same one but it just got bigger
1: i think because so. like there's there, is, really, a, there I, is i a don't know anything about godzilla at all i so i'm going off a lot of assumptions here and even at the end of this one when it's been basically destroyed but there's still just like the nucleus of one that's going to grow back uh-huh. i assume that it's going to go through the same life cycle
0: that's pretty cool i i wasn't aware if if that's canon or not that that's how Godzilla worked, or at least in this movie, that he's just like, can repair himself very easily. He's kind of like the thing from The Thing. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you blow his brain up, like what even is there still to put back together? Apparently all it requires is just some little mass of cells and it'll just grow back. Yeah. That is a thing that reptiles do, right? Like they can grow back extremities
1: yeah, yeah, uh, like a lizard can grow its tail back.
0: Right, I've always been so jealous of that, of
1: species to species.
0: I'm mm-hmm. like, why can't we just do that? Because like when you lose your arm, that's it, like no more arm, but. Yeah, you wish it could grow it back. I'd have to imagine there's some kind of science uh, out there that says that in theory we could, but we just uh, genetically, we just can't do it for some reason.
1: Do you want to talk about the the release that we saw that was a very specific and special version of the movie.
0: What was the, um, yes, I do. Um, what was the distribution on that? Was it, cause I didn't even realize that that's what I had purchased until we talked about
1: it. Right.
0: Um, we're talking about both of us on in black and white in the
1: theater. Godzilla Mad minus Mad. one minus color.
0: Minus color. Right. And originally, I just uh, read my ticket wrong, and I said, Godzilla minus one color. So, like, meaning the movie was in color. I thought that that's what my ticket said. And uh-huh. I thought it was funnier still because it said, Godzilla minus one color, meaning sub- subtracting only one color. So, I, in my mind, I thought, like, that's such a funny little play on words that nobody intended. And uh-huh. I, and then I made a joke, I was like, this movie will be presented without the color blue. I thought I was so clever, but I was the, the dumb one in that situation. Uh-huh. It's like, no, it actually is minus color. It's intentional. It's in
1: Okay. Me. I didn't understand that you omitted the second minus. So I thought you saw my uh Godzilla minus one, minus color, and then you took minus color and you're like, that's a singular color. It's not colors and mm-hmm. so that's where the pun came from you're like minus one color but only one color
0: right had it said that on my ticket it would have been funny but in, <laughs> when you uh, pointed it out to me I realized how silly I must have looked
1: but yeah as far um, as the release I think the only reason it was in theaters is because because of um, the black and white on the version da- on the day we saw it that was when that was released so I think it was no coincidence that's that cool still in theaters came out late last year.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of happy that we did it that way. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if they re-released it um because of the recent like Oscar buzz around it. I wonder if that was mm. intentional or not. I told you that they were nominated for like best VFX. But it is a, it's like nice, a Japanese nice. film, so I don't know how that works. If it's cuz usually it's just all movies are like From a different country are in foreign, they're like in the foreign category. Although Parasite was just one, that was a Korean movie, so I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Mm. I guess foreign films can win major categories, but then they also have the foreign film category, so that if if they don't rise to that level, at least they have that category. Right. What's your opinion of Black and White in general? In general,
0: the the closest analog that I have to like Black and White, like a modern movie in Black and White is, uh, do you ever watch the Mad Max, like special Chrome edition?
1: No, It's Fury um, Road?
0: Fury Road, it's- No way. It's exactly the same, it's just in black and white, kind of like what we saw here, which I never watched that. And I think it's actually, most likely worse than Mad Max Fury Road because part of what makes Mad Max so fun is its colors. It's uh, so orange and blue super saturated all the time and if you take that away I feel like it loses something and then with this movie uh I think it looks amazing because this movie it's clearly unlike other recent Godzilla movies American or otherwise like a very clear homage to like original Godzilla movies like the effects Mm -hmm. are sort of on purpose more lo-fi Godzilla isn't made to look like a big like CGI monster he's He is still cgi from what I can tell most of the time but he's made to look like a Guy in a suit like the one behind me here Mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like the black and white just enhances All of that. It makes you feel like you're watching An older movie that has like these really insane uh, effects in it a la the nuclear Laser beam thing. So yeah, I'm very pro I don't, I don't think I would have enjoyed the color version as much as I enjoyed the, the black and white version. I think it made it much more of an experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it was quite the vibe and it kind of like felt old school. And I love the way the explosions felt in black and white where it's just white brightness. Mm-hmm. Very effective. I was surprised to see, I saw a, a clip of Godzilla in color, like maybe a commercial or a trailer or something, And I was surprised to see that, like, the main color of his little spiky things that he charges up for his laser blast are like bright blue, like chromatic blue.
0: What color were they in your mind? I just I didn't have a color for them. I guess you just
1: didn't even think about that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. seeing clips of it in color is is pretty uh, jarring after seeing the black and white version, because the black and white version it just feels more right in my mind. So seeing it like this is pretty nuts
1: i'm glad i saw the black and white first yeah i agree for that reason
0: i'd love to do some more research on the behind the scenes of the effects on this movie because it feels very uh, practical i'm sure that there is cgi in it but um, there's moments especially with like the water stuff i don't know how they did it but it somehow looks really good and realistic but it also looks like old school godzilla where it's a it's usually miniatures or a guy in a suit, Uh like the particles of like the water in some of the scenes. That's always the big tell with when you're using miniatures is water viscosity is like too thick for it being like actual scale. Cause water, like when it's, when it's in a bucket versus a swimming pool, looks a lot different. And, uh, but in this movie, it sort of looks like it is that effect. Like, too uh, the water is too thick like it would be on a miniature on purpose they almost make it make it an attempt to make it look like more lower fidelity effects because that's how the old school godzilla did it and huh. it nice work it works like i'm totally there for that nice nice what do you of want to the... talk a
1: bit about the uh like the main characters like the kind of emotional about... character arc yes so it's like this kamikaze pilot guy who well first of all like, I'll say that I, I I like it a lot I like this the human story of the movie quite a bit mm-hmm. um, it's not completely the movie really isn't like rah rah monster action movie at all
0: yeah it's mostly a family drama uh, that that has like this that's what I why I think that this movie works so well as a metaphor for uh, nuclear war and the the effects of a post world post war world a post world war warbled <laughs> but yeah because uh, he feels more like this uh, this looming threat that's like in the distance like mm-hmm. the city was already destroyed by actual nuclear weapons and now there's this this other thing that's still a threat but it's not meet imme- in an immediate danger. So Godzilla feels more like a weapon of war in, in that movie, in this movie, for that reason. And it's all it's all about like that guy finding the girl who has the baby, none of whom are related to each other, and just trying to rebuild some kind of family, like in this right, right, literal, literally demolished
1: uh, city. Yeah, because like historically, Japan was just like completely wiped after World War Two. Yeah, And I don't know if I've ever seen anything, like there's plenty of movies about war, like during, Mm -hmm. but I've never seen such a sober portrayal of a a post-war Japan.
0: Yeah. A lot of like, when I was in film school, there were like two main history classes you had to take and they were just called pre and post 1950. And really what that meant was like pre and post World War II. Mm -hmm. Because the movies just have like very different Vibes like one um, Based on that fulcrum like when People were making movies before the war and then After the war a lot of the post war Stuff you know like 50s Like late 50s especially Foreign stuff is super Depressing because if any movie Was like made in Europe After that time it's it's just about How like Europe is In pieces Mm -hmm. And I had never really seen something. I mean, I'm sure I did at some point with Kruosaurus stuff. You always see like the European post-war stuff. I hadn't seen a lot of like Japanese uh, post-war stuff.
1: Like the first thought that came to mind when I think about the Godzilla series and the year that it was released is that I do the math of oh, that's what are the, nine years after the end of World War II. Like I that's I do that math in my mind. And I think about it. Like, what is that time period? What happened in those elapsed years that on the tail end of it they were able to make this movie? What do you think? You know? that's, like, just kinda, that's just where my head goes.
0: Totally. I mean, what do you what are your conclusions on that? Like, do you think that they were like motivated in a particular way? Are you thinking about like how societally, structurally they were even capable of making movies? Like what
1: are you mm-hmm.
0: what are you thinking about?
1: Well, it makes me feel good that like i I feel like it's an encouraging sign that they're able to participate in the arts and have like creative output still have some sort of like creative economy after the fact yeah 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 would be pretty low on the list after a war right right and obviously it makes you think and then you look at the filmmakers they're like okay like they're all adults and so they were obviously all went through the war whether they were in it or not and so right then you just you kind of just like start building out fleshing out the context around the film and the people that were making it and it just makes you think of this movie as a child of the war it's heavy stuff heavy stuff heavy stuff heavy stuff you know i went to the oh. when i was in japan i went to the museum in hiroshima oh really um about like the nuclear bombing there was what was that like super graphic yeah yeah, just like very heavy.
0: I would imagine that that would be the case. What do you think of the um, the little subplot about like the uh, what his job is after he comes back from the war? Like he finds that job uh, dismantling mines with that group of that group of guys who become more important. But it's kind of a fun little uh, mechanic. That boat.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that fun moment when <laughs> like the the comedic moment when he first sees the boat, like it goes from him telling his adopted partner that he's going to be on like some kind of high tech vessel specially built for this. And then he's just like looking at this rickety wooden boat. Yeah. That was a big laugh break in the theater.
0: Yeah. the Movie's pretty funny at times. Yeah. I love just their little uh, crew on the boat. It's like the main guy, obviously. And then the captain and then the, Doc uh, and then like a kid It's like the real like cast of characters In any sort of like crew based movie uh, yeah. We've got the main character Who is not the leader We've got the actual grizzled Military uh, Adjacent like captain We've got the smart guy who has glasses the smart guy. And then we've got The little pipsqueak kid that's definitely gonna get us In trouble at some point uh-huh. in the movie Yeah 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 All tropes
1: Yeah 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 loved it loved that scene
0: i really like what they do too i don't know if that's a real a a real way that mines were dismantled definitely seem it maybe i don't know it seems like a way that i would dismantle mines in a video game Uh you know i'll just shoot it (laughs) from a boat you know Uh it seems i don't know the 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 machine gun that they're using too seems like so like high caliber for that too Uh uh-huh like couldn't you just take like a like a sniper rifle or something like wouldn't that work just as well and also waste way less ammunition, you know? <laughs> they're just like firing what cuz you know, ammo's not cheap, especially with like a big ass gun like that. And they're not like it don't seem like they're swimming in cash in that uh in that post-war era.
1: Right. I don't right. Know, talking
0: out of my ass here.
1: Could have done it better, says Trevor.
0: But I do like it cuz it's just it's a uh, the way that they do it in the movie is fun we're gonna cut these minds loose and then we're gonna shoot them with this big-ass machine gun. Mm. Inner 12-year-old is like, hell yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. The whole movie, it, it's like a, very importantly, a social commentary. Like, it's a movie made Japanese people for Japanese people. And a lot of the themes that it kind of touches on are kind of like a culture talking to itself, like the same way American movies do that. And so it was interesting to me, like that scene of kind of like these citizens coming together to clean up the mess from the war and like do good and be good citizens is a mm-hmm. theme that is developed further on in the movie right it's, it's a big like rallying cry of a movie that is kind of life-affirming I also agree very culturally Japanese in that way
0: yeah I, I love the the positivity of the movie about a community and being proud of like one's country and duty and that not being and necessarily a function of the government like everybody wants to just bring their society and their community up i'm interested you might know more since you spent time in japan if you say that that's a culturally japanese thing is that something that has has always been like a feature of japanese culture or i'm sure i know the answer to this already Or was that something that was enhanced or came about after the war? When, of course, when your entire country is sort of decimated uh, by war, really one of the only choices you have is to come together as a people and try to rebuild something. Um,
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I'm actually not sure. But collectivism is like a very stereotypically Asian thing to be contrasted with kind of Western individualism that's right um, kind of like the classic example is how Asian cities are so clean because people don't fucking litter all with everywhere right but yeah, yeah I, remember, I just I love that my, my favorite parts of this movie are kind of those parts culminating in in the meeting where the kind of town comes in it's a very they, literal
0: like th- representation of what you're talking about in that right
1: scene. right yeah 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 it's very explicit. They're they're like literally how... like
0: we need to come together as citizens to defeat Godzilla. Yeah. And the when government they they're will like not somebody help has us. to do it. Yeah. Cuz they uh, everybody's like spooked by the war. Nobody wants to go back to war, albeit with a giant lizard. And so the the naval officer or whatever who's sort of leading the charge, he's like you guys can leave. Like you uh, you were well within your rights to just walk out of here because it's it's really unfair of me to ask
1: you to, like, take up arms after mm-hmm. we just suffered an attack from uh, the war. So. Right. A very important thing that happened in that scene is, like, the ratio of the people that walked out versus stayed in. It was you only a few this people scene,
0: who walked out, right? Only a
1: few people. A very small amount of people. Yeah, And this is a scene you've seen before in American movies, right? The commander saying, like, doing like the rallying speech at the lowest point of morale mm-hmm. and, like, the true diehard staying behind and then they, you know, they kick ass. I feel um,
0: like, is this what you're leading towards? Is that, like, in American movies, it's, like, the numbers are inverse?
1: Like, most yeah, yeah, people yeah.
0: walk out at that point yeah. and it's only, like, <laughs> right, a right. few people who stay behind?
1: Exactly. And this movie... Like, at the, w- with the most reason to leave, like, you'd be completely justified in not participating. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, yet, they all do because of just this kind of, this sense of doing things for your neighbor and for your people and for the greater good. Yeah. That the movie does really well.
0: It's nice because Godzilla is a clear evil. I was trying to think about myself in the situation, right? If I was ever faced with what's essentially like a draft, you know, needing to do something, go somewhere to like fight for my, I don't know, country. And it's just an idea that I, as a man living in America in 2024, just can't even conceive of thinking that way. Like I can't, I have no pride in America, like within reason. And so Godzilla is great because he's not some politically complex war that may or may not have uh, just origins. He's just like a giant lizard who like is blowing our city up. Like, yeah, I'll go, f- I'll go fight him. So mm-hmm. all that's to say is my hope is that if I were in that situation, I would also adopt this collectivist attitude and i would like take up arms against godzilla if joe biden walked in here and he's like we need you to go fight in israel i'd be like i don't i'm not going to do that i would i would you got walk a out
1: joe biden impression
0: listen here jack that's
1: what colbert always does he just uses words jack words aviator. oh yeah i don't like his impression that much you know who does a really good one who dan dana carvey dana carvey does goes-
0: good impressions of everybody
1: that's what he's, That's true. That's true. That's what he's but known for. He he does more of the whispery, Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. Like, Come on, folks. We gotta. Yeah. That's not who we are. Yeah. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I was I was thinking about this just today. I, I was talking with my therapist exactly about like the subject of like being willing to die for your values or for something like yeah. a greater good or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel similarly towards you. Like I I have a hard time throwing my life on the line for anything i can't come up with anything there's just nothing except godzilla
0: yeah like i would fight i would fight godzilla if it meant that i would I fight could... godzilla yeah yeah about <laughs> we'll to give it but in a you know a modern world there's nothing that's that black and white especially in america or any uh-huh. developed country that has like vested interests in being at war like there's no i don't know i, I was also thinking about this just in relation to like nazis the other day mm-hmm. i don't remember why exactly but i was like what an interesting case of war where this whole country or at least a, a very loud uh subsection of a country had like such radical ideas that uh, most of the rest of the world was like you guys are fucking crazy and then uh uh-huh. they became like the symbol of good and or evil like good versus evil for the next hundred years. And it's like, I don't, what else is like that? And they just as quickly as they became that symbol of evil turned right back around and became like one of the more respected, like liberal nations in the world. And so like, I don't, they just had like a little like goth phase or, or something. (laughs) Totally. And and it like, uh, it pers, it personified this idea that I, have yet to been able to identify again, which is just clear evil that is worth unifying as a country to fight. You know, I I feel like if, had I been a young man, part of that is probably just cultural circumstance. Had I been a young man in the forties, I'd have been like, yeah, I'll go fucking punch some Nazis. But now I'm like, I don't know, you're gonna need to come up with some Nazis V2. For me to uh-huh. get
1: motivated about it, we got some Nazis V2.
0: But they suck. You know, they're like disorganized and they're here. They're like part of the country and they're also in other places. Like in the 40s, they were like, there was one dude who was a supervillain, like a comic book supervillain, come to life. And he gathered his whole uh, group of guys up in one country and declared war on everybody. You know that, like, Norm McDonald joke? He's like, have you guys heard no. about this World War I thing? <laughs> it's, a, it's an insane premise. The country of Germany uh, decided to go to war, and who did they choose as their enemy? <laughs> the world. Fast forward that's good. a couple...
1: That's a, that's, a good,
0: that's a good McDonald right there. Thank you. Fast forward about 20 years, Germany's back at the table, ready to declare war, and again, who do they choose to go to war
1: with? The entire world. That's so funny. But yeah, it must have been nice to have like just such moral clarity. Background. Yeah,
0: and it's tough because it, it's easy to look at that period and, and be like, definitely those guys had moral clarity. And I'm sure that is true to a certain degree. But you know, a lot of that uh, moral high ground uh, comes from delusion or like an oversimplification of issues. Nazis are a pretty easy thing to point out and be like, that's evil. But it's not like America was like wholly good at the time either. So I don't know. It's, I I feel like I think about that time as being very morally clear, but obviously it had its issues like anything else. And so am I just like, is that a concept that even exists is what I'm getting at. Uh
1: Uh-huh. I think that it just, I think it was morally clear that, like, the right thing to do was, you know, to intervene in the war. I mean, the, the only, like, debate at the time was whether we should or should not join the war. Do anything about it. There's a funny White Does Kids You Know sketch where uh, Trevor comes upon, like, two people in a park. One of them's on the ground and the other guy's just, like, kicking them. Have you seen uh-huh. the sketch? I, no, I have not and he's like uh he's like what's going on man like why are you kicking this guy and he's like oh like he uh you know he killed my family or something it's like oh really like that's crazy (laughs) and then he's like yeah yeah and then i forget exactly but for some reason like the person getting kicked and the kicker get switched okay and then and then trevor's like okay like we're now we're kicking this guy that's great that's great He's like, "Hey, why do he you kill your family, anyways?" He's like, "Oh, he was a, like the a judge and like he sentenced them to death because like <laughs> I did something really bad."
0: He's uh-huh. like, "Oh
1: no, wait, you're the bad guy!" And like he throws him down on the ground, brings the other uh-huh. guy up, uh-huh. keeps kicking. He's like, "Man, that's crazy! All that stuff that happened." And he's like, "Yeah." And the best thing is, like, they weren't even guilty. I'm like a corrupt judge, and I, <laughs> I threw him in for personal yeah. reasons. Okay, where do you want to jump back in, man? What would you think of that scene
0: when uh, what's her name? The love interest, the the woman when she dies, quote unquote, that it's like one of Godzilla's like early like destruction scenes. Yeah. I was sad. That was
1: a heavy moment in the theater. Yeah. People were crying. Yeah. I was Which actually, I was surprised by, it, honestly, but yeah, it was.
0: Yeah. That was such a bummer. Yeah. Her dying. I don't know. They did such a good job of like building their relationship up for what it was, which was basically like uh, platonic. Sort of like a rom-com relationship up until a point, yeah. Uh, and it's only surprised by the the fact that it didn't get romantic, or what exactly? Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I, I assumed that it was romantic, like more from the start, and and the only thing that gave it away is that there was a shot of them sleeping next to each other, but with a curtain in between them. Yeah, um, because they live in a small space, you know, and and then that and it struck me at that moment, I'm like oh platonic.
0: Yep. Which is nice. I mean, it seems like it's meant to evoke that he has like so much respect for her, and also just right, like the, the right way to do things is to not get involved with each other. But then it's revealed that both of them obviously had feelings for each other, only in after she's gone. You know, and who I don't know
1: was like the one that was hesitant to make the couple a thing. If it was him or her, it wasn't clear. To, it wasn't clear to me at some point, like why it wasn't happening really. It's a uh, he said that because one of his like shipmates
0: like gets in his face and he's like why didn't you marry her before she died he makes it seem like had he married her that like I don't know at least he would have done that she still would have died in the end but he's like you should have yeah. married her before then and he they're like why didn't you do that and he said like um, my war isn't over referring to the I don't know the PTSD or the fact that he didn't. Yeah. Com- he didn't kamikaze or the fact that Godzilla is still on the loose. I'm not exactly sure, but made it just seem like he, he felt like he wasn't mm. worthy of that of
1: marriage yeah. or, or life. Okay. That, that seems like the right answer. Yeah.
0: And it did such a good job of subverting my expectations or predictions. Cause you know, when she flies away in the blast, You're like, like a good happy ending, like movie watcher. You're like, she could still be alive. You know, that that was my first thought, like when I saw that. Um, But then the movie just like kind of keeps going. You know, she doesn't show up again soon after that, and then Uh all of this other plot develops on how we're gonna take Godzilla down, and just no time is spent with her death. And so, for me at least, it just. Made me slowly but surely accept like, okay, I guess she's dead for sure. Uh-huh. And it made it even more of a bummer, but it made the reveal at the end so much more satisfying because I was convinced that she was dead. And then...
1: Yeah, same. I was completely surprised by the ending.
0: I remember when that telegram shows up and it it's to like his neighbor or his uh-huh. aunt. Who is that person? Can you tell me? I think just a neighbor. A neighbor. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I when don't that, think
1: it's a direct relationship. Okay.
0: But when that telegram shows up and she like has a reaction to it, you're like, what could that telegram
1: possibly be? And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and I immediately thought it had had to do with her death. I forgot about it and then until the end they they revealed what it was. Mhm. Um, I'm like, who cares what's in this letter? Let's kill Godzilla. Yeah,
0: let's see. What was that character's name? Noriko. You know that
1: classic rock song called Godzilla, it's a Blue Oyster Cult song. Yeah, you know that song? No, I did not know that song, actually. I'm a big fan of Japanese media in general. Okay, weeb. Like, uh, whether it's movies or video, like, big-time video games. Like, I think they make, like, some of the best video games. They make some of just the best stuff, period. Like, the stuff that I've consumed from Japan, they just have such a well-developed aesthetic style. They have a lot of emphasis on beauty, they just the way they go about things is like hits right for me
0: yeah I mean I, I think that that's historically sort of the perception of them their art and culture has always been really revered by other people. They definitely even in like the modern world they have like such a cool reputation with like technology and infrastructure. I mean I like a normal person can just talk about things like cars or video games or movies. Uh, as interesting but and i am just a normal person so i can't like really speak about it in it's any more complexity than that but I, I feel like that's like the vibe the general vibe i get from people who know better than me is that their whole culture is centered around like perfectionism and standards of quality and that applies to like everything and i think i always remember hearing uh the idea that after the war that sort of you, you tell me if this sounds made up because it's just how I've thought about Japan is that after the war, obviously destroyed in many ways the infrastructure and uh, kind of the modern concept of Japan. And it sort of gave them like a blank slate. And so they bounced back as this like ultra powerful economy as a, a direct result of the war like the Japan we know now would not be as powerful or as influential as it is without it being like heavily damaged by World War 2.
1: Right. Like at at the right moment in history, kind of like at the cusp of moder- modernity, modernity. Modernity.
0: So you have that same idea. I don't have any sort of data I've on, never that, yeah, yeah. on that. Read anything about idea that? Itself? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, just yeah. like that's just like what I've heard or like gathered from listening to uh-huh. other people.
1: You know, Korea another country, kind of like that. South Korea, and isn't from, the from the Korean War, which is like ten years later. It's a similar in the sense that, like after the war, you're looking at a country that's starting from zero, very very poor, not developed whatsoever, and kind of just like by association of of, of like being allied with the West in America and we poured a lot of investment into the country, they were able to somehow, like, skyrocket in the matter of a handful of decades Mm -hmm. into this huge economic powerhouse. And in recent, like, in the last decade, culturally very, like, prevalent, too, with the movies that they put out, which I love to see. I Like, I love to see, like, a country kind of, like, gain this almost, like, Western cultural identity of, like... Young people having fashion styles and aesthetic choices and trends uh-huh. and bands that they follow and fawn over. Their, Korea and Japan are like good examples of,
0: I don't know if it's exclusively like uh, Westernization. I mean, it's probably mostly that, but it seems like a more like overall just sort of blending of uh, a more global culture. Where we have, yeah, yeah, we just have like young people and they're into music and they're into uh, art and they're, you know, you look at like a teenager in South Korea and they probably don't look too dissimilar from like an average teenager in America. And not that, and not necessarily because the American is more Asian or that the Asian is more American. It's sort of just like the, the line is getting blurrier and- Uh Korea in particular with things like K-pop like when I discovered how big of a deal like K-pop was it blew my mind a little bit however many years ago that was when it really was established that that was a global phenomenon isn't it like the most like popular like music genre in the world like Korean pop I'm not sure but it's something know, it's, like that it's, it's like, a juggernaut yeah you know. it It's something that, like, you wouldn't expect. I mean, now Mm. I think it's probably pretty common knowledge, but back then you'd be, like, Googling, like, most popular music,
1: and it's, like, Korean pop, actually, just by sheer numbers. Like, it's Mm -hmm.
0: super popular.
1: This is off topic, but it reminds me, I remember watching a BTS interview. They were on Jimmy Fallon's show, which uh, they don't speak the same language, so it was kind of an awkward interview, but very interesting. I was
0: going to ask, like, do they speak English? How did that work?
1: I think they did it via translators, but they kind of, like edited that out yeah but yeah like the first thing that became very popular was the music like that was their first like huge juggernaut cultural export korea and then yeah yeah and then several years later they started really hitting it hard with movies and tv and kind of all culminating with like parasite kind of felt like the high crest of that wave
0: i think squid games is uh, korean isn't it yeah, I'm not too familiar with a lot of like Korean media, but I do know its uh, influence pretty undeniable. Yeah, and Bong Joon Ho, which is, is like cool to see again, like guy, huh? Bong Joon Ho, the guy who directed Parasite. He's like he's like known before Parasite, but I I wasn't uh-huh. aware of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said I've it's seen cool my to fair see.
1: amount of like Korean television and stuff.
0: That's right, because you are.
1: It, there's good stuff in there for sure, but engaged to one. Often it's very soapy i've found
0: yeah i mean that's not surprising to me uh, it, it feels like it fits in with like the overall like a uh, korean aesthetic with like the uh the music at least i have no uh-huh. ba- i have no basis for that
1: other than just it feels right like the vibe seems like it aligns with the music There's, it's so melodramatic like it's it's made it's so overtly is meant to like pull on your heartstrings to something like the to an effect
0: like does it work or because he you know the obvious comparison is like uh spanish speaking uh soap operas
1: oh that's or, so funny you or, mentioned that i was gonna say i was gonna say earlier like that conception of spanish soap operas like where they're just the emotion of it is is very big and in your face yeah not subtle which like american media for like a few decades now has kind of shied away from that and has kind of gone in a kind of more subtle direction and a little more artsy. Well, I'm curious
0: about that. This is an interesting tangent on soap operas. And I, since you seem to be someone who has watched a few, or at least like soap adjacent stuff, what your opinion is on it? Because soap operas, they've always been really um, confusing to me because I've seen Clips of all kinds, American and Spanish. And you're right, like the emotion is like really big over the top in your face. But I've never thought that like that would be an effective way to evoke real emotion from a viewer. Uh-huh. It seems like yeah. it's like a medium meant for like people who don't understand what real human emotion is. That they they like watching it portrayed in a like a theatrical staged sort of way. It's like human emotion as made for aliens, like people who don't really understand or engage with the thing, or maybe just don't care. So I've always just seen like soap operas in that way of acting or writing as a lower form of entertainment strictly because it's not realistic, but realism doesn't equal quality. But what is the, I don't know what, What's your take on it? like why is there value in that? someone who hasn't watched that I soap think
1: operas. I think that it's like like when I recognize some of the similar elements of like Mexican soap operas in Korean media, that was kind of a like a huge moment for me, like where it was very I was very surprised by it to see that they can kind of handle emotion and melodrama in the same way, and what I kind of took away from it is that that style. Of media is just something that's pretty basic and appeals to a kind of broader audience. I think who it doesn't appeal to is kind of our subset of super media literate people who have been like who just like really we've seen like so much TV and media that we're kind of like okay I'm done with like the plebeian stuff like give me a little bit more higher art form mm-hmm. but what mm-hmm. we're seeing here is is you know i mean i i would i would say that it's lower as well or it, it catered to like a more average non-media obsessed person i guess
0: yeah seems like it might be like a regionally cultural thing as well obviously soap operas are a thing in america but it seems like they're less of a thing than like, Spanish-speaking countries or Korea, for example,
1: right? I think so. Now no. I think it's been supplanted by, like, reality television. That's reality... the format now where...
0: Reality television is, like, the universal language for
1: uh, yes, TV. Yes.
0: That's for sure, unfortunately.
1: And it's, like, pretty basic human stuff. It's, like, here are people, and they have disagreements with each other, and they fight, they form kind of, like, Relationship, political alliances, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like this. I mean, it makes you think of like storytelling. You know, fifty thousand years ago, like what what were the basic elements of storytelling and in in human drama back then? Mm -hmm. I I watched a a cool movie this um, just Monday. Actually, we went to this kind of like like a mystery screening at AMC where you don't know what the movie is going in. Interesting.
0: How do you how do you sign up for something like that and not be afraid that you're totally going to be wasting
1: your time? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you're willing to walk out if you want to, but makes sense. Uh, and some people did that. But it was this movie that took place like tens of thousands of years ago, you know, like cavemen period. And it was what year, about did this, this very movie small come out when?
0: Yeah. Like a, is it a contemporary movie or
1: contemporary movie, yeah. It's kind of a smaller, lower budget movie, like not very famous or has far reach, but it was made in um in Europe. Okay. Uh, filmed in Sweden. But it was about this small clan of humans who like migrated to this new land and they're just kind of like trying to you know make it in the world. Mm-hmm. But they depict in it like they're like the, the very first scene it's just them all huddled around a fire and uh, one of the kids asks somebody else in the clan like uh, oh tell me a story. Like that's what they want.
0: Are they speaking, like, English, or is it, like, subtitled? Or
1: Yeah, it's subtitled.
0: Okay. What are they... Because they're, like, cavemen. Yeah. Are they, like... What do they sound like? That's a good question. I don't know. Sounds
1: like some foreign language, but I'm not really sure. Anyways, um, I'm just curious. I was just curious. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, so they, they ask, about, like, for this story, and then, like, the adults just, like, tell them, like, these tales, like, based on, like, their own lives, and it, it just... It, it was trying to get at the universality of stories it's the feeling that the nicole kidman
0: pre-roll at amc like that's what it wants you to feel is the the thing that you're talking about in this movie (laughs) yeah yeah that pre-roll is so funny for that reason because it's like a it's like a mantra that like has always existed as long as stories have Uh and then the specific nicole kidman scripted one is one that has specifically existed about movies since movies have existed and yeah It just she just delivers it in such a
1: lame way that it just falls. Have we talked about it before? That yeah,
0: on some on some level,
1: it's it's just people were laughing in the theater when I saw it this time. It's yeah, I mean it's funny. It's funny because like
0: the 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 text of what she's saying is like in some way correct. It's also not Uh very timely. I think is part of the issue is because we live in the world of streaming and. Uh, media fatigue and movies are just objectively worse and bad um, wholesale than versus what they used to be so acting like we still live in this like golden age of imagination brought to you by the movies is a little absurd Uh uh-huh and just like the way like how self-serious the whole thing is
1: uh sure it's just
0: so stupid
1: (laughs) and it is just an ad for amc at the end of the day i think like that kind of undercuts the mess you can't give me like such a high concept humanistic message and you're like brought to you by amc right like, i'm not gonna buy it right i'm not gonna engage with it right have you seen the when that first came out i saw on reddit a version of that ad but when it cuts to the screen like there are several different versions but like they put like different clips on the screen like one of them is just like a sex scene from <laughs> that lady gaga "Stars born house of gucci maybe a star is born but it's just like a scene of like her getting like railed by yeah. the actor <laughs> and nicole kidman's just like stories ignite our imagination what does she say like stories feel know. right in a place like this what's something like that it's like um sadness feels right good in a place like this i don't know
0: yeah it's it's some bullshit that is present in every uh type of ad like that it's the it's it's hollywood just jerking itself off it's just like aren't movies the coolest most beautiful imaginative thing that's ever existed isn't that amazing everybody
1: and it's just like You're i like, guess forget about the business Forget about the money yeah we're vital we're a part of your lives Please don't let us go under. Please continue going <laughs> to movies. It's
0: always funny to me because her um, accent is so subtle in general. Uh, and in that particular ad, she sounds mostly like American throughout, but she is Australian. And so you hear all of the stuff that we've been saying. And then right at the end, it's like
1: AMC theaters. <laughs> AMC theaters.
0: <laughs> Come watch a movie at AMC theaters. <laughs> I'm Nicole Kidman. That's an exaggeration of her voice, but you get the idea. We should talk Hello, about God- Godzilla again. Sure. I was reading something that I thought you might find interesting. Have you ever thought about like the name Godzilla and what it means? No, not, not too much. Have you ever just like, like if right now, unprompted, how would you, why do you think it's Godzilla?
1: Like um, Why is that lizard's name Godzilla? So God, that's just like self-explanatory. Zilla to me,
0: I mean, elaborate on I don't that know. a little bit more. It's like he's just so big that he's like,
1: he's God. Like the people, yeah. I'm like, I'm curious to know God. what the, does this translate to Japanese the same way? Is are they well, just saying Godzilla?
0: I, I I like you, and I imagine a lot of other people had a very similar concept of that. That it's like, oh yeah, God, he's big, God. That makes sense. And Zilla uh, forever has been like, you know, you tack Zilla onto other words and it makes it into like i don't know i can't even think of a counterexample, but you know what i mean like using the suffix zilla turns it into some kind of like monster but it's sort of like a it's cyclical logic because i'm pretty sure godzilla was the thing that inspired how that that suffix is used Um, yeah
1: i'm on the zilla wikipedia page right now
0: like the word zilla
1: specifically suffix zilla yeah yeah
0: yeah that's interesting what is it what does it say? Because I have a it's I have a Godzilla, Godzilla paragraph
1: to share with you. Okay. It's it's originated from Godzilla. Um it Got also it. mentions that it's like very popular now for the names of software and websites, which is true. Mozilla. Mozilla. Can
0: you think of one more? I keep thinking
1: Zillow. There's one that's <laughs> Zilla. Maybe I'm thinking of Zillow.
0: Godzilla. <laughs> How has no one made that Whoa, joke? Before? My
1: my eye just caught this Cuntzilla?
0: Cuntzilla.
1: I'm gonna open link in new tab.
0: okay let me read the the godzilla thing for you because it's not really what you would expect ready yeah yeah uh although the process of creating godzilla's first film is comprehensively recorded exactly how its name came to be remains unintelligible the most widely accepted report of the origin is that the producer i'm not gonna try this tanaka named the monster after a sturdy toho worker who was jokingly dubbed gojira of the Japanese words uh, gorilla, which is gorilla in English, and kujira. The account has been acknowledged by Toho themselves, uh, director Honda, producer Tanaka, special effects director uh, Tasubura, producer Sato, and production head Mori. With Sato and Mori recalling, the employee was named Shiro Amikura. However, Honda's widow, Kimmy, dismissed the employee-named story as a tale in the 1998 BBC documentary on Godzilla, believing that Honda, Tanaka, and Tsubura gave considerable thought to the name of the monster, stating, The backstage boys at Toho love to joke around with tall stories, but I don't believe that, but I don't believe that one. Honda's longtime assistant uh, director, Kajita, added, those, uh, those of us who were closest to them don't even know how how and why they came up with Gorjira, Toho later translated the monster's Japanese name of, as Godzilla for overseas distribution. The first recorded foreign usage of Godzilla was printed on the Hawaiian Tribune Herald on November 20th, 1955. During the development of the American version, Godzilla raids again. Godzilla's name was changed to G- Gigantis by producer Paul Sheerbin, who wanted, wanted to create a character distinct from Godzilla. So... It's like a word that just kind of roughly sounds like a gorilla in Japanese. It has like the word God and Zilla mean nothing as it relates to the the monster itself. Interesting. Because it's really interesting because I think that you, your opinion is probably the most common one. And I, I definitely had that when I was growing up and became aware of Godzilla. It's just like the word like God associated with this like you know 200 foot tall like dragon monster that just makes sense but actually it's like closer to like gorilla and that just is from some guy allegedly like it has nothing the uh the origins of the word have uh, no meaning at all
1: well there you go folks i have two other examples that come up to mind from this discussion and one is (laughs) from from dragon ball okay the character named satan
0: mr satan
1: mr satan which Uh brings up the same questions i'm like why did this religious term show up in this english translation of of this japanese thing right Um, and then in the game final fantasy X, kind of the main bad guy monster character is just called sin
0: but there probably is the point here that those they don't have any meaning. They're just weird, lost in translation things.
1: I'm not sure. Do you know why Mr. Satan's called Mr. Satan?
0: No, but I have is that always, a I have always a assumed that it was like some sort of mistranslation thing. That like, yeah. maybe his name in Japanese. Um, and I'm probably gonna shoot myself in the foot doing this, but maybe like his name in, in Japanese is like Satan or something. And it's
1: just you read it Um, on a page, and you're like, "Oh, that's Satan." We're just gonna say Satan in the English dub, or like like, this is another possibility. His like name means like demon or devil or something like that, and they just didn't realize that like when translated into English into like a Christian context, it literally carries such heavy connotations. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, I would I would believe that that maybe there is some yeah. sort of like demonic origin but it's just less severe in the original language right right what was the other one that you said uh, Mr. final sin. fantasy sin. sin i don't i don't play any of the final fantasy games so i can't
1: speak to that one do you have any insight um, i mean do you have 30 minutes for me to rant about this game
0: no um no <laughs>
1: <laughs> that one i actually think is probably deliberate
0: yeah i mean based on what i vaguely know about those games i w- i wouldn't be surprised they're pretty steeped in like uh, fantasy obviously but moreover just I don't know religious iconography i've seen that like come up and yeah. things i've seen associated with those games um or i don't know maybe there's just one but i've been thinking about playing those or like trying to dip my toe into one of those I'd be interested in your opinion on this actually because how many Final Fantasy games are there like 13 Uh, like 15 15 which is an insane number and I understand that those span I'm sure multiple decades and many different like uh, generations of video games and as a person who does play them have you played all of them most of them a couple of them does doing that just matter? some of them what's the
1: no it doesn't matter.
0: there's no like through line narratively between nope. all of them, okay, not at all what's the uh what's the um format then is it like new characters in the same world every game, or why are they part of the same series
1: yeah they're new characters every world like yeah from game to game it be it can be quite different, but like uh like for example, like sometimes the monsters you fight are the same.
0: Like, what? Like just the same type of monsters, or you're literally fighting like the same battle in different worlds, or
1: just like the type of monster. Like maybe there's a, like a there's like this flan kind of gelatin monster okay. that you fight, and like that'll pop up. Um, so the world, the world in, in like in several the, places, the
0: creatures and everything is the same. Just different people.
1: It's not even the same world or universe okay it's like to sometimes like they'll you reuse character designs so what Not is it like save time or anything it's just so what is the like connection
0: then like what is why bother all lumping them into the same
1: game series is it like the game mechanics are similar uh, yeah yeah game mechanics are similar the game mechanics change and evolve quite drastically throughout the series you know because obviously they, they're starting from like ps1 yeah. up to modern times you know i mean ultimately i think it's just because it's it's made by the same game studio and they all kind of have the same aesthetics and vibes to them but they're but they're all quite different
0: yeah that's an interesting idea i mean the game mechanics is probably the main thing that makes them part of a part of a kind it's all Mm turn-based right or does that change? Uh, it
1: changes later on. Yeah. But it
0: being like uh part of the same studio, it's almost just like we just come out with it's like a band. It's like we just come out with an album every year. And this one is just this one's folk. That's what we made this year. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good way of thinking of it. What do you think of their original plan to take Godzilla down? The the boat the bubble
1: thing didn't really make sense to me.
0: They pumped it. F- the, the, what did they do? They wrapped him up with these like canisters or something that they pumped freon gas into, and that that would make him sink, because freon gas is heavier yeah. than water, right?
1: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't make, make sense. To you're me. the you're the scientist. You tell me. I don't think it made sense. Okay. <laughs> well, it didn't make sense. But what they said, what they explained, is that it was like a bubble shield that would just like make him. That would like, kill his buoyancy and make him drop. I don't know. I mean, I never
0: heard anything like that. I understood what came after that, which was um, the pressure. The pressure and then yeah. rapid decompression after that, which ultimately kind of worked, but just not enough.
1: The plan. Se- that, that concept's very confusing to me. Pressure? This, like. And this was in the zeitgeist after that submarine killed all those people in the ocean yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah. The ti- um, the titan. Just like the Titan, just like the incredible unimaginable pressures that exist at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. But then at the same time, there are like bottom of the ocean life forms that exist. I've always thought that that part
0: was particularly weird. Like I have no problem thinking about pressure. I it, Early on, it was explained to me like the, you know, think about the deeper you go. There's just that much more water on top of you pushing down uh-huh. on you there's like however many thousands of more gallons above you now it's all just like pushing towards the center of the earth so it makes sense that the pressure goes up deeper you go but yeah the, the fact that there's fish down there that can withstand that is crazy to me and i guess it's just about you know have you ever seen the movie the abyss yes apparently it if your body is just adapted to that like it's no problem like, the pressure only takes effect if you're, like, something that comes from a a place with less pressure. But, like, yes, either you can adapt in either direction. Like, you can adapt to pressure, and, like, a highly pressurized thing can adapt to the lack of pressure. It just takes time. That part I don't really understand, like, what's happening in those, like, you know, when divers come up, they're like, you have to stay in the fucking chamber for like two days so your veins don't explode and you get the bends uh-huh. but i don't understand why like i i i don't understand what is happening at that moment i just know that that's something they have to do and i assume that if I don't you get it i
1: don't i don't have a good intuition for it at all like i'm still kind of baffled to this day someone knows i mean i'm sure and we could watch like a youtube scientifically video <laughs> this is like stuff i should know like about pressure and it's kind of like physics yeah what the fuck bro are
0: you even a scientist like how do you not know this is this is basic science dude i actually knew this i'm just (laughs) fucking with you i'm just seeing how dumb you're gonna make yourself look oh no (laughs) yeah i don't don't get it the fish thing's always you know i watched the abyss recently in theaters there was like a oh no way there was like a re-release some anniversary thing when saw it with some friends
1: that's the best like theaters now should be showing more old stuff so people can watch classic great movies on the big screen rather than yeah premiering all the new stuff
0: it's fun because there's like a you know there's a market for like private event theaters and grace did this for my birthday one year where we rented a theater and we watched star wars original star wars i remember that but even that that was like a particular kind of experience it's like we organize this thing there is something fun about going to a re-release or a anniversary version of something because then you're in a room with like strangers who also like want to Mm -hmm. see this like classic movie on the big screen yes it emulates it better emulates a natural theater experience for that movie which is what you're after in those moments. You're like, I never got to see Star Wars in the theater. That would have been so cool to see that. And if you go with a group of strangers, that's to how it would have been in 1977. I agree. There should be more of
1: that. Oh, shit. Before it it escapes the mind, I have a couple of uh, kind of brain teaser thoughts that I want to run by you. Okay. And they have to do with the pressure thing. Okay. And it's kind of like a thought experiment that's supposed to play at the intersection of kind of our... Intuition about how pressure works with kind of real life stuff. Huh. Okay, so here's here's one part of it. You're here on Earth, and let's say that I teleport you out into space. Think like Total Recall when he's on Mars and his spacesuit busts, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're exposed to the the vacuum of space. And kind of classical have, movies. Does
0: Mars not have an atmosphere at all?
1: I I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Huh. Okay. But like. Presumably, that's the reason that the eyes bug out, right? That's, like, the TV reaction to being exposed to vacuum of space. Sure. So we think, you know, going from Earth to vacuum, one bar to zero bar is such, like, a violent shift in pressure that it'll destroy your body. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then think of the amount of pressure, like, that the tit- the titane- Titan. Titan the titan was under at the bottom of the ocean like orders of magnitude more pressure difference than from here to space the difference from here to space is negligible compared to like the pressure difference from here to the bottom of the ocean we're basically at vacuum in a sense when you compare it to those gigantic pressures what's up with that? i don't know if i even
0: fully understand that that that's true that that the comparison between where we're at now and the vacuum of space is that much smaller than where we are now in the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. What you're saying makes sense, but I've, I've never really thought about that or those values. It seems well, like... I'll, I'll look up... It seems like, I don't know, like a complete lack of pressure of any kind. Like, space is... It's a vacuum. It's, it's, there's nothing there. Uh-huh. Versus where we are now... Like, I don't know how to compare, like, the level of pressure that I'm at right now to nothing. Like, I don't... I mean, obviously, like, astronauts can, like, spacewalk, which is a whole other thing, but... And it's just not a... It it goes back to the original issue that we're discussing, which is my fundamental misunderstanding of what pressure even is and how it affects uh, my body. And so I can't confidently say that, like, I am closer to zero pressure than I am to like crazy deep sea pressure. Like I don't,
1: I don't know if that's true. Someone could tell me and I would believe them, but I don't, I don't know. Um, Okay, well I just Googled here and the, the Titan when it wrecked was between, was around 400 atmospheres of pressure. So what, is, like what does that mean? Several hundred, it's just like, that's the unit of pressure. An atmosphere like of pressure? PSI. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then, what are we at? One atmosphere, one. and they were under four hundred, uh, and then which is a lot more pushing. And then space is zero that we're under. Yeah. So go going from one to zero is is okay. Going from here to space. There you go. And the Titan did. They went in the other direction. They went like way higher. Makes sense. Yeah. I just
0: is there a question? I have a hard time. Kind of, what's the? What's I the, just don't get
1: it. Like, can you can you explain it to me?
0: Don't get what part exactly.
1: I just don't...
0: I mean, everything you just said made sense. Intuition I mean, for it. <laughs> I, I think it's... I just don't really understand the idea of a vacuum in the first place also. Like, we live surrounded by stuff. Oxygen and whatnot. Uh-huh. You know, we live in a soup of a kind. Um, and So the idea of, like, being uh, not in soup is weird. It doesn't It doesn't make any sense. Because, like, to our little monkey brains like soup is all there is like the idea of a vacuum doesn't really make a lot of sense so i have a an easier time understanding of um, pressure like in the ocean but only from like an external perspective like the whole however many more <laughs> gallons of water is on top of you is like the best way that i can think about it but how that in turn like affects your internal organs uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me as if, you know, moving from one to the other, it just seems like, you know, if you're a thing that can deal with pressure, if, if I myself am like the Titan submarine, I'm made out of steel, I'm like uh, super rigid, I'm built to withstand this crazy amount of external pressure. That's pushing on my body. Theoretically I should just be able to go from like point a at the top of the ocean to the bottom instantaneously what like why is the the gradual the gradualness of that matter like if i can withstand both levels of pressure like why and why does like my body need to do the same thing like i don't know i don't know what i'm saying anymore <laughs> i'm completely lost yeah I'll, i mean the the, I the, the main issue is just i don't understand the i don't understand the pressure thing
1: after this i'm going to watch a, a you just like I'm a, watch a youtube essay about what pressure is (laughs) we're like i feel like the the tim robinson character from that sketch i sent you (laughs) yeah you expect me to believe that well any final thoughts on godzilla i thoroughly enjoyed this movie uh especially watching it in kind of that retro black and white Um, i enjoyed the kind of cinematic experience i really like the character plot that runs through it um i love like the social commentary about Self-sacrifice, and a kind of post-war Japan setting. Not, not a bad thing to say about it.
0: Yeah, I'll echo all of that. Not having a lot of experience with other Godzilla stuff, other than kind of the more recent movies. That like movie that came out in twenty sixteen, and then there was that movie in the nineties that I mentioned earlier, which feel like, you know, real products of their time, kind of gimmicky, just capitalizations on people being into Godzilla this one seems like it's a true like this movie really likes the original Godzilla stuff they're like weren't those movies fucking cool and I and my answer to that is yes they were thank you for making this movie this is very cool too (laughs) Um, so I uh, am gonna give it 10 out of 10 experimental airplanes
1: remember that the airplane had like uh, yeah I wonder if that was uh historically accurate I don't know
0: it's propeller was on the back which I don't even, I yeah. don't know anything about like aerospace engineering. but I was like, I don't know you could do that. Just like put the propeller on the back. Yeah. guess you can. Nice little reveal too about the uh, ejector seat. I was a little. Yes. I, yes. That, that's actually one thing. I know you got to go soon, but I do want to talk about that really quick. Cause it's the kamikaze pilot thing. So much of the movie is like him sort of expressing regret and other people sort of casting like shame on him for not following through as a kamikaze pilot there's like a curbed episode about the same thing too he's like your grandpa was a kamikaze pilot but he's in a nursing home so he actually didn't he's not really a kamikaze pilot then is he (laughs) but the you know the, the whole movie is the whole time he's like man you suck for not kamikazing your way out of the out of the war you coward and he feels the same shame but in the end he doesn't have to he uh, gets to eject his seat it it seems like the the attitudes of everybody the country himself people in the war just kind of shifted to a more like a liberal mindset on self-sacrifice at least individual self-sacrifice right right.
1: yeah 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 like you don't have to kill yourself for the state you can help and contribute without making the ultimate sacrifice it's 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 like it's a cruel uh, government or state that would ask you to do that anyways right that's like why there's such a taboo against it right like all of our soldiers we hope that they don't die
0: right it was some it, I just found it but yeah it's, it's a nice kind of I liked it it's kind of more progressive more progressive and it's obviously like a happy ending I just thought it was interesting because the immense shame of not kamikazing yourself uh, was so present right up until the end and it just it seemed like some yeah. switch happened where it's like oh we've all decided that kamikaze is not good now but even though that this was like my main internal conflict as a character leading up to this I'm not necessarily yeah. knocking the movie for it it just uh, I don't know it was harder for me to believe that if we went from like kamikaze is my lack of kamikaze is the main reason that I feel bad. To now, it's it's not a problem anymore. Actually, no one cares. Very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's just like the main growth of. Yeah, I, I get, I get, you what you're yeah. saying. I get what you're saying.
0: It's 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 more. It, I feel like it's different because it's not isolated in that character. You know what I mean? Is that uh-huh. it's easy enough for a character to experience like, oh, I don't have to kill myself anymore. I've awakened. I have changed as the hero, versus like what what was established in the movie that was a pretty big sign of honor and then the lack of doing so a sign of shame so i, I don't know i was just a little confused by it or i didn't yeah. buy it i didn't buy it as much as i think i wanted to
1: okay i will give this movie nine rickety mine ships out of ten rickety wood oh, ships, wooden ships out of 10.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah good one This was custom built. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Filmhole is produced by just us, myself and Raul. Our music is by W. That's underscore the word double and two U's. Get Filmhole wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, rate it. If you hate it, maybe don't. Thanks again. See you next time.